Father, that is our hope, that the one who came and died and was raised is coming back again. Father, we thank you for that truth. And Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our only hope for eternal life. And I pray if there's anyone today that is here that maybe has strayed from you, Lord, that today they would come back to you. And I pray if there's anyone that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, today would be the day of their salvation. Father, now I just ask that you would work through your word by the power of your spirit for your glory, for our good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome. It's good to see you. And uh, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles, if you would, and find your way to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, if you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to grab one of the black Bibles in front of you. And Exodus is the second book of the, of the Bible. Uh, it's part of the, the five books of the law, the Pentateuch, or known as Moses' Law, as we continue in this series in the Ten Commandments. Um, well, my sister grew up in the 1960s, which some of you may know was a very transformative time in our country. There was a shift away from submitting to authority to rejecting authority. It was a time of anti-establishment, anti-business, anti-government, anti-military, anti-authority. In fact, my sister had a bumper sticker on her VW van, van right below the peace sign that said, question authority. That was my sister in a nutshell. My parents certainly had fun with that. But the shift crept into our homes where children were actually emboldened to reject the parents' authority. In fact, a lady named Annie Gottlieb, who was an author, a product of the 60s, wrote about this in her book called Do You Believe in Magic? And she wrote this. She said, we might not have been able to tear down the state, but the family was closer. We believe the family was the foundation of the state. We could tear down the state by first tearing ourselves free from our parents. In fact, Philip Ryken, in his commentary on the Ten Commandments, quoted her and he said this, she was effectively saying the way to destroy a nation is to destroy a family. And the way children can destroy the family is by disobeying their parents. The Apostle Paul saw this as a sign of the end of times. He wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3 these words. He says, but understand this. That in the last days will come times of difficulty. Why, Paul? For people will be lovers of self. And you really don't need to go a whole lot farther than that to understand what's going on. In fact, he uses that to launch into 18 manifestations of people being lovers of self. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive. Here it is. Disobedient to parents. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That right there is the key. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Their love of pleasure has become their God versus loving the one true God. Having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. He says, avoid such people. Paul saw this as a sign of the last days. 
Could we be in the last days? In fact, over the last 60 years, we've seen a continual tearing down of our family and thus our country. And it's from the inside out. The greatest thing you can give your family, apart from their love for Jesus, is a strong, vibrant family that submits to the roles and responsibilities that's laid out in Scripture. Now, I know we have families here that are broken families. I come from a broken family. But God can redeem all of that. When the Lord's authority structure is forsaken and people conform to cultural or societal pressures, truth is then undermined. Roles are reversed or thrown out. The role of the home or the role of husband and wife, they, they can be turned inside out. And, and, and you get chaos in the home. God is a God of order. His word has laid out how we are to be in interaction with him and interaction with others. And society in that moment becomes like the time of the judges when there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own mind. They wouldn't submit to scripture, but to what they thought was right. We know it as moral relativism. Resisting God-ordained authority is ultimately resisting the Lord. We know that's a problem. So, we get to the fifth commandment. It's a very clear command. It's one that hits close to home. Let me read. I'll start in chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words saying, remember, the nation of Israel is gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai. God speaks out of the mountain. They hear an audible voice. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He reminds them first of grace. God, grace came before the law. I brought you out. I'm the one that did it. I'm the one that saved you out of bondage, out of slavery. And then he gives the Ten Commands, the, the, the commands how to interact with him and how to interact with others. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to the thousands, to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then we get to the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, as you're going to see in a minute, there's no such, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a rule that theologians call the rule of categories, or sometimes they'll call it the category of rules, a, a category of rules. When interpreting the Ten Commandments, in this fifth commandment, it says, honor your father and mother, but it really speaks to authority over all. 
So it doesn't, really, it doesn't restrict itself just to parents and children, and we're going to see that in a minute. Each category stands for a category of, of sin. And here it's honoring and submitting to authority. Now, before I move on, I want to give you a caution. I just felt like compelled to do this. When we launched this series about six weeks ago, my greatest concern, because we're talking about the law, is that it can become legalistic or viewed as being legalistic. And the question I introduced in that message was, has the law been set aside because we're in a time of grace? Well, Jesus answered that, made it clear in Matthew chapter 5, where he said this, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth have passed away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away uh, from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes on one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus didn't set them aside. He fulfilled them. Now, we did talk about the fact that there were three laws. There was the ceremonial law, there was the civil law, and there was the moral law. The civil and the ceremonial law, they were types and they were foreshadows of pointing us to the cross and the coming of Christ and his kingdom. But now that he's come, they've been set aside, which has left the moral law. So the moral law is still with us. And that's why Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 that we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. So we've stated weekly that first came grace and then the law. A reminder that keeping the law doesn't save us. But it was God saying, okay, because I have saved you, because I've called you out of darkness and in your marvelous light, this is now how you interact with me, God, not me, but God, and this is how you interact with others. So my concern arose last week when we were speaking about the Sabbath. And I think I said it in the, seventh, the second service, but not in the first don't let this move you into legalism. In fact, understand that the Sabbath, Jesus said, was made for man. The Sabbath was a gift to man. It was a, it was a blessing. And he wants you to step back. He wants you to have a day of, of rest, a day to restore, a day to reflect on him and his redemption. And somebody actually came up to me and said, well, I, I take my Sabbath on Monday. Is that okay? And I said, absolutely. That's when I do it. It's like, it's a rhythm of at least you have a day to step back and relax. That's his grace towards us. In fact, you're going to see that Jesus, in fact, in these next five commandments, that he elevates them above what was even in the Old Testament. Okay, that's the end of the caution. Let's go to the message. So what do we learn about honoring authority? Let's look at some lessons on honoring authority. First of all, when you honor authority, you please God. When you honor authority, you please God. So now, way, by way of review, remember, the first four laws, or the first tablet, were vertical. Dealing on how we interact with God. Those were the vertical commandments. But now we move into the horizontal commandments. The vertical drives the horizontal. You get the vertical right, the horizontal falls into place. 
And isn't it interesting that of all the horizontal laws, what comes first? The one dealing with the family. In fact, there's only two places where we're called to honor. We're called to honor God and honor our parents. God makes a big deal out of that. And we see that here. So the second table, the second tablet, it starts at home. Loving our neighbor starts at home. Remember Jesus says when he was asked in Matthew 22, what are the two greatest commands? He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So as we are loving our neighbors as ourselves, it starts where? At home. So here's the first command, the clear command. We see it in verse 12. Honor your mother and father that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving. So there's a clear command here. What is it? Children, honor your parents. How many parents are for that? Okay, some of you that aren't, aren't parents, you're thinking like, really? Come on. But there'll be a day you'll love that. All right? But let's look at some of the New Testament passages that reiterate that. Ephesians. In fact, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22, you have this whole interaction between you know, husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave, gave them up for, for them. And it's, it's a picture of, of, of loving leadership or, or, um, or uh, um, servant leadership. But then wives are called to submit to their husbands, to lovingly submit. So you see this, this order that is established. God is a God of order. And then he moves from uh, husbands and wives to children and parents. And aren't, aren't we glad, parents, that he didn't reverse that? Because that would be what? It'd be chaos in the home. That's why some families have chaos in the home. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. We'll go back and see that. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. In Colossians chapter 3, again, right after Paul speaks about the husband and wife relationship, he says, children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. It's pleasing to the Lord. It, when you honor authority, it pleases the Lord. And so we see the word honor. What does honor mean? Well, it's a, it's a word that can mean heavy or weight. It's the idea of putting weight in this relationship. It's, it's the idea of, of, of commanding respect, esteem, or to value. It's to elevate to a place of importance. Now, what's the opposite of honor? be dishonor. And, and so, once again, there's a clear, the clear command is to honor, and it forbids dishonor. It forbids disrespect. See, rebellion against God's ordained authority is sin. And, and this is going to challenge all of us, because this becomes, once again, a place where we fall short. Because I'm sure there's many of us that may maybe not outwardly, but in our hearts, we've rejected authority. That's why we need the gospel. That's why we need Jesus. That's, that's why we need salvation. Parents aren't just some killjoys to try to make life no fun for their kids. But they've been entrusted by God to be overseers of our children, to raise them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The Bible actually has a lot to say about disobedient children. My favorite passage 
is in Deuteronomy chapter 21. That's actually not my favorite. But it speaks of, in the Old Testament, if a child continues to be disobedient, continues to, di to, to be disrespectful, and they try to discipline, and he doesn't receive it, then they take him to the elders out in the gate. And then what do the elders do? They stone him. You're gone. And that's so everybody would understand. Everybody would fear. Let me ask you, you think they had a lot of problems with disobedience? Like, there was nobody saying, I'm going to count to three. One. <laughs> there was none of that. It's like they knew. They knew. Well, I'm, I'm thankful that in the time of grace we don't have that. But Freud and modern psychology have undermined authority in the home. In fact, Freud taught that children should liberate themselves from the bondage of parental expectations to be free. Undermining what God's word says. See, and there's many out there that are teaching philosophies that elevate emotions and feelings above what God's word says. That's a danger zone. In fact, psychotherapy, which often focuses on emotions and feelings places that over obedience to authority. And it's led to an increase in, 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 the, in the breakdown of the family and in society. Honoring authority is a heart issue. And the goal is we want to teach our children to love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their strength. Why? So that it's an inside out. There's not like this... We're not creating little moralists that are just doing it on the outside. We want them to be so transformed on the inside out that they love God so much that they want to love their parents well. They want to honor their parents well. It's a hard issue. Exodus 12, Exodus 20, 12 states that parents or children are to honor their parents, but it doesn't happen automatically. It's, it's got to be learned, meaning it's got to be taught. Parents, your children are watching you. This is a challenge for the parents. Do you respect authority? Do, you, do they hear you grumbling about maybe roles and responsibilities in your home or at work or at church? What example are you setting for them? And, and, and here, are there consequences for disobedience in the home? If children don't learn it at home, how will they respond when they come under the authority of teachers, or the police, or government officials, ultimately God. See, a breakdown in the family leads to a breakdown in society. So when you honor your parents or any other God-ordained authority, you honor God and that pleases him. Listen to what John Calvin said. This was, I mean... In the 1700s, he had a lot of insight. We learned to be subject, or 1600s, we learned to be subject to God by learning to be subject to our, our parents and parental uh, discipline teaches us how to be disciplined by the Father. So we learn to be subject to God by learning to be subject to our fathers. Now, one thing I understand is that this can be difficult for some people because you've not had good fathers or good parents. And, and, and so, again, God can redeem that, but we have to break that chain of maybe what we came out of. This is not about raising moralists. Outside conformity, I've mentioned that. 
It's about teaching our children to have such a love for God that they're changed from the inside out. And it means that parents, we must focus on gospel-focused teaching. Being cons- you know, teaching the gospel, the fact that God loves you, that he died for you, that he raised you, that you have eternal life, that, that when, you, when you sin, you just need to confess it. You need to walk in humility and not just hold on to it and reject any other authority. It means we have to be consistent. It means being an example with our spouse. We, an example uh, with those in authority. I remember my dad used to say, like, we used to drive up to the Purdue games. I grew up in Indianapolis. And he'd always find a parking place close by where it said no parking. He says, well, it doesn't say absolutely. It's like, I learned that. And if I wasn't careful, I would fall into that. I mean, you know, I was watching. So that's pretty cool, Dad. And, and, you know, there's just some things he did that, I mean, I love my dad, but it was just some things that he did. Um, it, it means being an example and someone who forgives and someone who seeks forgiveness. You know, where do our children learn to forgive? They learn from us. If we are unforgiving, guess what our children are going to learn to do? Be unforgiving. I've said this before, but I think it's so important to repeat. Let's say some of you maybe have had a father that wasn't loving, wasn't there, or maybe was even harsh or you know, maybe abandoned you. But then one day he comes back to you and he says, you know, Bill, God has just shown me that I've not been the father I should have been. I, I wasn't there for you. And, and, and I know that was wrong, and God's convicted me of that. Will you, will you forgive me? Now, would you see that father as being less of a man or greater of a man? Certainly greater. Yet so often, we aren't willing to go and seek forgiveness. We hold on to it, and it becomes this bitter root in us. We, we have an opportunity to be an example to our kids, so... So God gives us so many great pictures of how we can do that. But you know what's fighting against you? Social media, TV, YouTube, video games, cable news. There's so much out there fighting against us. The friends, the music, the friends they have, the music they they watch. That's why we have to be so intentional. But can they be maybe learning some of this by watching what you watch? Parenting has to be proactive. In fact, in our staff meeting on Tuesday, we talked about the importance of not being conformed to this world, Romans chapter 12, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we talked about how do we renew our minds, and we went to Paul's passage in Philippians chapter 4 where he says this, Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Meditate on these things. Marinate in them. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. What what are your kids thinking about? What are they practicing? God has given us a very clear understanding of that. We want to make sure, what are we providing our kids to see and hear? And, in fact, 
Johannes was talking about with his kids, they've started watching PragerU Kids. Anybody heard of that? PragerU Kids. His kids love it. They love it because their their kids are learning. It's interactive. And so they, they're, they're very intentional on what their kids see in here. And we have to be careful about that. So the cl- command is clear here. Children, honor your parents. But because of the rule of categories that we've talked about, what's implied, we also understand that Christians are to honor authority. Christians honor authority. Now, this could become difficult. This can cause us to bristle in so many ways. Especially when you think about this first one, government. You think it's a whole lot different today than it was 2,000 years ago? I mean, think about in First Peter, the time of First Peter, Nero was the ruler of the Roman Empire. And he was as tyrannical as they get. And he wrote about submitting to governmental authority. Paul, in, in, in Romans chapter 13, also living in that time, he wrote this. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. Like this first sentence, like, I mean, if you could tear out some parts of the Bible, wouldn't you want to tear that out maybe? For there's no authority except from God. But we also know that all scripture is breathed out by God. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for you good. For your good. Let me stop right there. Taking the government as an example. How can that be good? I mean, and I'm not using any names. I'm not going to use any, any political parties. I'm not going to use anybody. But you can use your imagination. You don't even have to use your imagination. How could that be good for us? He is God's servant for your good. But it could teach you patience. It could teach you to depend upon God. It could teach you to long for the second coming of Christ. See, so often we look at it from a standpoint of like, I want this right now and I want it to make my life better. But it could just be causing us to depend upon the Lord so much more. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who, uh, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Now, that's a tough one. But it's not only in government, can it be in, at work. And we see in Ephesians chapter 6 the importance of, of, of workers submitting to their bosses. It's, it's the old, whole idea of, of a spiritual authority over you. I, I'll never forget when I first surrendered to full-time ministry, and I went on staff, and, and I always owned my own business. And that was a struggle for me. I'd never worked for anybody before. And, and I'll tell you, 
I really struggled with, and I, I've told him this, I even, I, when I went back to my old church and preached, I even told the story. I said, like, I struggled with Mike. And, and yet I wrote, then I read a book once, it, it's called Spiritual Authority and the Importance of Making Your Boss Look Better. And I remember I just decided I'm going I'm to submit to that. And I'm telling you, it just changed our relationship. It changed everything. And I think it propelled me in ministry. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's at work. It could be leaders in the church. Hebrews 13, 17 talks about that. So we encourage you to pray for us, to encourage us as we submit to the leadership of the Lord. What if you're working for someone that is harsh or unfair? Peter talks about that in 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'm sure we've all had situations like that. But, but in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and following, Peter, Peter talks about how Jesus, remember, he was treated harshly. He was treated unfairly. But it says he continued to entrust himself to him, God, who judges justly. And it's a reminder to us to put our focus not maybe in our situation, but on the Lord. So when you honor authority, you please the Lord. Well, second, when you walk with the Lord, your authority is easier to honor. So the question is, are you difficult to honor and obey? I mean, I mean, are you trying to make it hard for your kids? Are you trying to make it hard for your boss? And, and so um, when you walk with the Lord, your authority is easier to honor. Let me go to Ephesians chapter 6 again. Right after Paul tells children to honor their parents. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. It's intentional. Bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. There is so much here on training children. And then he says in Colossians, also after the passage we looked at earlier, fathers, do not provoke your children. Why? Lest they become discouraged. I had to work on this one a lot because I, I was really good at discouraging my kids at times. At the things that I would say or if I was just short or, or, or harsh. And, and I had to learn the importance of, of not doing that. And you, I could just see it in their face. Let me ask you, do you provoke your children to anger? Do you discourage them? See, when you walk with the Lord, when you walk in his ways, your authority is easier to honor. So I wrote down three ways to make your authority easier to honor, whatever your authority is. One is when you walk in faithfulness. When you walk in faithfulness. Children need to see and they need to feel your love. Your love for God, your love for them, your love for your spouse. Where do children learn disrespect? The apple may not fall far from the tree. They may, it may be learned. We have to be careful. Do you maybe badmouth your spouse when she's not around? Badmouth your boss. Badmouth the police. Badmouth the government. You would never badmouth the pastor. But your children are learning. Have your children learned to be faithful to God's word because they see your faithfulness to God's word? Remember in Deuteronomy 6 where uh, God gives the nation the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then he says this. He says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently. Notice the proactive teaching. 
to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You, it's, it's, it's all the time. And I've said it, you can't impart what you don't possess. And that's why we want people that are saturated in God's word so they can teach that. In fact, read Psalm 78 this week. Such a great psalm about passing on, passing on God's truce to your children and to your grandchildren. Are they learning to be faithful by watching you? So the second way you make authority easier is you walk in fairness. Not just in faithfulness, but in fairness. Do you know how you exasperate your children? Fly off the handle, just at a whim. Or, or maybe change the rules that you've been living by and not tell them why. Or change the expectations with no communication. One of the things we encourage people to do is, and Pam's taught this many times in women's ministry, is to have an if-then chart. If you do this, these are the consequences. It's clear. If this, then this. And, and I can tell you that, that really made it helpful for our kids. We provide them, it was on the refrigerator. In fact, we, we only discipline our children really for three things. You know, not punishment. Punishment is, 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 is punitive. But discipline keeps them on the right path. Discipline for disobedience, disrespect, or lying. If they spill milk, it's just clumsy. Unless they're, and you say, don't spill that milk, and they're looking at you and they go, boom. Then that's disobedience. <laughs> And that's discipline-worthy for sure. But, but give them, make sure they understand. Do you discipline consistently and then explain why they're being disciplined? Like, you wouldn't want to discipline without explaining it. In fact, listen to what Proverbs says. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. That's good to know. And again, you know, it's... It's, it's measured. It's not punitive. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Here, here's what you're doing. You're helping him to learn to live under authority and to respect authority. And so that when he leaves the house, he's not an animal. Like with no control. God has gifted us with these children, and we have a responsibility to direct them. Children are a heritage from the Lord. We've been entrusted with them. Discipline is loving. As a father loves his child, so God loves his children and disciplines them. We see that in Hebrews chapter 12. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says, No discipline is pleasant at the moment, but it's profitable to those that are trained by it. It may not be fun in the moment for the one doing the disciplining or for the one being disciplined. But it's profitable for those that are trained by it. Okay. The key is, we as kids grow older, we give them more rope so, so they, can, they can move out a little bit, but we don't give them enough that they can just hang themselves. All right. Not only do you make your authority easier to honor when you walk in faithfulness and you walk in fairness, but you walk in fruitfulness. You walk in fruitfulness. See, fruit happens when you invest in your children by teaching them, by discipling them, by doing projects with them, doing homework with them, being involved with them, practicing the one another commands. 
the, the command to pray for one another, encourage one another, to, to protect one another, provide for one another, forgive one another, serve one another. You're, you're, you're setting a godly example for them. So when you walk with the Lord, you make your authority easier to honor. All right, that brings us to the third lesson, and that's when you honor authority, life will be better. It's just going to be better. We've seen that. Again, Ephesians chapter 6, 3, it tells us. He says, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. He says, this is the first command with a promise. Notice again in chapter 12, I mean chapter 20, verse 12. He says, therefore, or he says, he says, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That your days may be long. Remember, they were taken out of Egypt, out of bondage. They're now wandering in the wilderness, but they're going to the promised land. God has promised them this land. And so the, the command here is that, that your days may be long in the land. Well, if you're disobedient, if you don't honor your mother and father, then guess what happens? They're going to take you to the elders in the gate. And they're going to stone you. Your days in the land are not going to be long for sure. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. But let's, let's bring it to 2021 or 23. <laughs> Some of you were sleeping. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> if you tell little Jimmy to stop running out in the street, and little Jimmy keeps running out in the street. Is your name Jimmy? No. I thought, yours is? Okay, good. I just, I said, so Jimmy, don't run out in the street. But he keeps doing it. Eventually, what's going to happen? You can get hit by a car. That's the principle. It doesn't guarantee you'll live to 90. It doesn't mean that if, if you have a child that dies young, that they weren't obedient. But it's a principle. That your days may be long in the land that your God is giving you. See, what you're doing is you're helping them in learning how to interact with others in a way that brings joy to others. See, living long in the land is idiomatic for fullness of God's blessings or to have an abundant or victorious life. So when you honor authority, life will be better. Fourth, when you honor authority, you're reflecting Christ. You're reflecting Christ. John 4.34 says, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus, the son of God, he came to this earth in obedience to the father. He came here for a specific purpose. His life was all about honoring the Lord to accomplish God's will. In fact, when he was in the garden facing the cross, Remember what he prayed? Not my will be done, but yours, Lord, be done. Not my will. See, Jesus, under the authority of the Father, the, the, the second person of the Trinity, God the Father sent God the Son. He laid aside his royal robes. He condescended. He became a man. God became a man. Man doesn't become a God. God became a man. He lived a sinless life, a life we couldn't live. He, in obedience to the Father, he laid his life down on the cross he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might receive the righteousness of God. He took on the sin of all mankind, past, present, and future. He did that in obedience to the Father. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. 
He became God's spotless lamb who paid the penalty for your sin and my sin so we could have eternal life. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we can have eternal life. So now we get to spend eternity in heaven and not separate from God in hell. His obedience to God's authority made a way for you to have eternal life. When you honor authority, you reflect Christ and what he did for us. You are a picture of Christ. In fact, Jesus lived in full submission to the Father. In fact, look at what John 5, 19 says. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. In verse 30, it says, I can do nothing of my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus was continually under the authority of the father. So we've looked at four applicational statements. Let me end with a question. How are you doing with honoring authority? Do you honor your parents? Not out for outward conformity, but with a heart change. Because of your appreciation for the Lord. There's a test. Children, do you talk back to your parents? Parents, do you communicate with your children in a way that honors the Lord? Children, do you submit to to their parents' leading or do you respond in disobedience and disrespect? Parents, do you make it easy to submit to your leadership? Children, do you hide things from your parents? Are you open and honest? I, I said in the first service, I'm so glad I didn't have to I wasn't a Christian when I was a teenager because I wasn't so good at this. Parents, are you open and honest with your children? Do you speak well of each other? To each other and to others? Do you take time to strengthen your relationship with each other? And if the answer is no on any of these, certainly you need the gospel, but This is where we need to be gospel-focused. This is where we need to understand God's grace and go back to the cross and confess our sins because we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Listen, we all are going to fall short. This is one of those commands that can actually really be difficult to do. Some of you may have had parents pass away that you've never been to resolve anything, and you just need to take that to the Lord. Some of you have had harsh parents. Maybe you haven't treated him rightly. My mom passed away about two years ago. And the, the two years before she died, she pretty much lost most of her mental faculties. And it was hard on me. And Pam had to kind of set me straight. And we don't, aren't promised another day. But that's why we, we, we do business with, our, with, with people quickly. We, we don't have, you know, we have short accounts, keep short accounts. How are you with respecting authority, the government, at work, at church? See, we live in a world that continues to undermine the family by rejecting authority, by rejecting the God-given roles laid out in Scripture. 
but you can be an agent of change and reverse that starting today, starting in your home. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. You can reverse that trend by honoring authority, by teaching your family these truths, knowing it takes humility, it takes surrender. It, it, it takes faith to trust what God's word says. Because so often, we are so consumed with our own thinking, with our own feelings, that we elevate those above God's word. Effectively elevating our feelings and our thinking above God. But what we need to do is live under the authority of God, not over it. And when we do, you'll see chaos in our homes, chaos in our cities being replaced with grace and, and peace and joy. But it starts in our homes. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, I pray if there's anyone that's been straying from you, that right now, Lord, you would bring them back to yourself. They would, they would confess they've fallen away from you and that they need you. Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus, I pray they would trust in your life, death, burial, resurrection, and also that you're coming again. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for these truths. It's in Jesus' name I pray.